At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. Thank you so much for tuning in. On this edition of the program, we're going to talk about contending for truth in a post-truth age. And yes, you heard that correctly. I did say post-truth and contending for truth. Uh, the term post-truth was the term of the year, the word of the year named by the Oxford Dictionary. And uh, if you've not uh, heard that before, the, the definition is that post-truth is relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. And uh, with me on the program today is Robert Cunningham. He's the pastor of Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. And I've invited Robert to attend because uh, he is a pastor that has engaged the conversations of the day in uh, mainstream news outlets. And Robert, welcome to the program. Yeah, great to be with, be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, hey, I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate, you know, your heart and your willingness as a pastor to step out and maybe take a risk, mm-hmm. if you will, to get out into to, to major news outlets. Uh, you've been published in the Lexington Herald Leader. You're also on uh, Kentucky Sports Radio's, <laughs> I believe, blog, one of the most widely read yeah. news outlets, I think. And it's ironic uh, that it's a, it's a sports outlet, but yet you're contending for truth, if you will, joining those conversations right. there. How did that come about that, uh, in both cases? Yeah. Um, the Herald Leader, I wrote a... I wrote a blog post, also a blog for our church. I wrote a blog post uh, during the election uh, cycle when Trump was just on the rise, and people at the time were very uh, mystified by uh, support that he was receiving, and uh, particularly within the church. And I wrote a blog post uh, on the the love affair that evangelicals are tending to have with Trump and and wrote it came at it from a little bit of a different angle um, and that blog post ended up going viral um, to people like Glenn Beck and and things like that and as as it went viral then kind of local outlets reached out to me about it and uh, one of those was Herald Leader and we talked about the idea of maybe uh, contributing monthly to that. And so I started, I started uh, submitting op-eds for the Herald Leader as a result of that. And then uh, through that, uh, Matt became familiar. Matt Jones, who's the uh, founder of Kentucky Sports Radio, most people know who he is. He became familiar with my writings um, through the Herald Leader and came and visited Tate's Creek one day. And we got to talking afterwards and have since uh, become, become friends and you know, people, he's obviously one of the most public figures in our state, um, one of the leading voices in our state in a lot of ways, um, and he's known for UK athletics mm-hmm. and progressive politics. Yeah. Um, he, would, he would say he leans left, but 
what people don't know about Matt is he is he's a thinker. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He he really does love differing viewpoints. He loves to engage differing viewpoints. And so he approached me with the idea of creating a space at Kentucky Sports Radio uh, for me to speak on um, a Christian perspective on issues of the day. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, he's given me that platform, and yeah. I'm thankful for it. And, you know, it's, it's been a cool deal. And I think that's so awesome because we have these categories today where you're a pastor, and right. why don't you just stay to pastoring, okay? Right. Right. <laughs> we don't really want your opinion in the public arena. At least that's the... Uh, the unspoken notion, right, right. Uh, but you've crossed over, and you yeah. are in platforms that you just mentioned that Matt is on the left, uh, yep. outspoken on that, and this, the Herald Leader is not known as a conservative <laughs> no, outlet no. either. No, so that throws people for a loop. When you've stepped out of your tribe, so so to speak, your yeah. camp, yeah. and you're and you're engaging with people who don't think like you, and they've actually invited you to their platforms. Yeah. Uh, which I find that fascinating. Yeah, and I I do, I do think the Herald Leader and Matt. Um, would would both, uh, you know, they 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 would have the idea of liberal progressive, kind of that caricature that, in my opinion, can be a little unfair. Um, I think that they're very open to thoughtful evangelical uh, perspectives. I have found them to be very friendly. I, I just think that um, there are not a lot of um, thoughtful, charitable evangelical voices out there. That are that are willing to engage in that sphere. I found them to be very welcoming, and I need to corroborate that because the Herald Leader has right. read my columns over the yeah. last number of years. I've actually met with some of their people on the editorial no board, doubt. and I find them to be engaging, pleasant yeah. people. No I doubt. really enjoy being around them, no doubt. Uh, and and I find them, you know, it's it's gracious of them to 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 carry my columns as well. But you touched on something important, uh, so, you know, people who are thoughtful and charitable, mm-hmm. uh, and those are two keys to. Uh, to engaging uh, with people on the other side or people that don't think like you. But even as we engage this issue of, of uh, the post-truth culture, right? Uh, Robert, you've heard it said, well, that, that might be your truth. <laughs> yeah. That's not my truth. Or this is my truth. <laughs> We've all heard that. Yeah. Uh, and and now we, can, we could go dive right into that and debate sure. and say, hey, you know, I, you, let me straighten you out. Right. Uh, but when you engage in a, in a careful, thoughtful way, when mm-hmm. you maybe uh, sit down to dialogue, when you're mm-hmm. charitable to them, yeah. uh, I would say that that's the beginning of the conversation. No doubt. Just imposing and saying, you're wrong out of the gate. Uh, what's wrong? Or wait, that's my enemy because they're over there. Uh, that's not going to get you very far, is it? Yeah, so uh, I would say that the ethos and impetus behind the post-truth movement is a noble one. Um, it is a reaction to um, hard, dogmatic, um, ungracious, unloving yeah. truth. Um, now, we can critique it, I think, very easily. <laughs> it's not a hard worldview to dismantle, but if you meet them in the, the, the ethos of the movement, which is longing for uh, graciousness, longing for a charitable discussion— longing to give each other the benefit of the doubt and understand different perspectives. That's really what's behind the movement. And so if you meet them there in that first, then we're able to enter into the dialogue and maybe, maybe help uh, critique what, you know, post-truth, uh, the, the fallacies that are within. Why should Christians care about engaging for truth or contending for truth in the public arena? They might you know, attend church, they might believe in God's Word, they might try to live according to the truth and even raise their families according to the truth, but 
when it comes to engaging in the in the public arena, stepping out, and I realize not everybody's called right. to be a writer for a newspaper, right, or called right. to be a politician or a public speaker, but is maybe I should take a step back. Is this something that Christians should be concerned about? That uh, you know, post post truth is is the word of the year from twenty sixteen. Right. That we live in a so called post truth culture. Is this an issue of concern for Christians? Um, well, I, I, I got two questions there. One: Should Christians be engaging in culture? Uh, yes is the answer. So yes, a hundred percent. Um, I'm from the uh, Kuyperian tradition. I believe that every square inch belongs to Jesus, and um, and that that our job is to, for lack of a better word, uh, subdue uh, the world unto His glory. And we could talk about that all day long, but the short answer is yes. I think that the call of every Christian is to engage the world around them uh, for Christ. Our church's vision statement is we exist for the glory of Christ and the good of the bluegrass. And I think that that's the calling for everybody, not just for people who are writing op-eds for the Herald Leader or you know things for KSR. The second, the second question there is, is post-truth this notion and the kind of the reigning idea is that important for us to understand and engage? And I would say, yes, absolutely. Um, I think Christians need to understand that philosophy, that worldview, and be able to um, engage it well, um, because it is, as you said, it, it, it is the word of the day. Hold that thought. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 25:40 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me on the program today is Robert Cunningham. He is the pastor of Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And we are talking about uh, engaging a culture that's in the post-truth stage, if you will. Uh, Post-truth is a word that many of you may not be familiar with, but essentially it's where uh, somebody's emotions or personal beliefs trump objective facts. And uh, Robert, just before the break, we were talking about uh, uh, in engaging uh, this issue, should Christians uh, should Christians be concerned that we live in a post-truth age? Yes, um, and they should be concerned because a post-truth age is itself a truth. Uh, mm-hmm. The obvious critique of the post-truth dogma is that um, it is itself a dogma. It is a creed. And so, um, 
and at times can be a fairly militant um, truth claim. So uh, Christians need to understand that the post-truth worldview is not a neutral worldview that has this essence of being um, open to any and everything. That's the spirit behind it, but that's not well, it. Let me jump in. Yeah. And there are some religions that come across as being open-minded. Everything is true, or all paths lead to God, mm-hmm. or I'm so open-minded, I'm going to accept this part of this religion or that religion. Sure. But when you introduce the idea that there's something called absolute truth, or when you say that Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life, right. that's when the walls go up and the conversation often stops. So, so in a post-truth age, we have those that have the appearance of being open-minded and, and everything's true and all paths lead to God. And then you have Christianity, which is firmly rooted in the idea of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And, and the founder of the religion, Jesus Christ, says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Is there room for conversation between those two camps? Yeah, absolutely there's room for conversation, and I, I would say what I said earlier, there's certainly room for charitable conversation, and there's certainly room for um, listening to each other. Um, but I think, I think what, the, what the Christian needs to be able, the way they need to be able to approach it, is to recognize that it isn't, it isn't that the post-truth kind of secular worldview is non-exclusive, and then you got Christianity as an exclusive truth claim. I think that I think the mm-hmm. underlying thing that everybody has to assume and understand, and we have to engage in this way, is that exclusive truth claims are inevitable. So the the doctrine that every religion we're open to any and every idea, any and every creed, any and every belief. Well, that's a very exclusive claim because then I would come and say, okay, well, here's my creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in <laughs> Jesus Christ's only Son, our Lord. And, Savior. So, and, that's, and that, that's a very exclusive truth claim. As, as, a, as, a, as my a Muslim neighbor would say, okay, well, here's my truth. There is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. And at some time, at some point, very quickly, uh, we see that our culture um, and its tolerance is exceedingly intolerant to religious claims in general, and I would say Christian claims uh, specifically. And so I think it's important for us to just get this notion of truly subjective, all-encompassing truth off the table, and then and then begin to really engage and understand our truth claim. Um, it, let's just let's just let's just all be honest and say this is what I believe. This is what you believe. We love each other. Let's talk about it. One of those truth claims that Christians believe is found in John eight thirty two, where Jesus said, "And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." Yeah. There are two things we can glean from this passage. One is that the truth can be known. Yeah. In fact, that it's a person. Mm-hmm. But then, secondly, that it will make us free. Right. Uh, when you say those two things in a conversation, let's say it's even a civil conversation sure. that you're having, those are very controversial, uh, that the truth can be known and that it's a person, right? Uh, but then that it will make you free because mm-hmm. it implies that somebody's in bondage. Right. So what do we, you know, so, so we have this firm truth claim right. here that Jesus makes, and as Christians, one of the things we're told is to to be salt and to be yeah, light, yeah. to disciple the nations. Uh, how how do we take this truth right here that mm-hmm. Jesus is the truth, that He's a person, uh, and that it will set people free? Because the in in a culture yeah. today that, as you mentioned, 
uh, is hostile to religious ideas and Christianity in particular, uh, in many cases, uh, they're not open to hearing this. Yeah. Well, you, you bring up a, you bring up a, honestly, a beautiful verse for the discussion. Um, so going back to what I said, if it is true that we all are subscribing to an exclusive truth claim, then we, the second question would be to evaluate what is at the heart of our truth claims. And in essence, you're right when you say every truth will be in itself a bondage. Um, we, whether your exclusive truth is the progressive left, the, the, the far right, um, a religious truth, a secular truth, we all live according to our truth, and, or, or you could say we are all in bondage to our truth. It's what, it, what, it's what governs us, it's what guides us. And then, and then here comes Jesus with this really unique claim of not backing down from the truth. I am truth, and, and I, I am who I am. And, and what does it mean to follow me? I'm your Lord. I am, I am the sovereign truth over your life, except that, that I have a truth that is upside down in the fact that my truth is a bondage that actually sets you free. Hmm. Um, and, it's, and, it's, and it's upside down from other truths. It, for instance, what if at the center of your exclusive truth is love for those who don't agree with you. Mm. Mm. What, if, what if at the center of your exclusive truth is, I'll lay down my life for my enemies? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now we have a truth that, um, that, that turns truth upside down to, to make it all about the love of those who don't even agree with us. And it's an incredibly freeing truth. What if, what if bondage to Jesus is the pathway to freedom, mm. that, that his ways are, are the way of freedom, that in following my own truth, Every time I've tried, it doesn't work for me, and that, and that, but then I find um, in, following, in following the claims and person of Jesus, it sets me free. Um, so he has this paradoxical way of doing truth. It's, it's beautiful. Hey, that's good stuff. Uh, we're going to need to go to another break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the challenges to these public conversations in a post-truth age, uh, namely this, the fake news that is being disseminated on social media and on the internet. And then uh, also the believability in mainstream news outlets. It's probably at an all-time low right now. So stick with us, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer.
Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. And on today's program, we are talking about contending for truth in a post-truth culture. And with me is Robert Cunningham. And Robert, there was a uh, a program done by the British Broadcasting um, System recently called Future Now. Uh, And they interviewed a guy by the name of Kevin Kelly, who co-founded Wire Magazine. And he said this, the major new challenge in reporting news is the new shape of truth. Truth is no longer dictated by authorities, but is networked by peers. For every fact, there's a counterfact, and all these counterfacts and facts look identical online, which is confusing to most people. So not only do we live in a post-truth age, if you will, but we live in an age where we just don't know what to believe because the, the sources that we once went to uh, people aren't believing them. Uh, mm-hmm. You have that, their believability of mainstream news outlets in particular, probably at an all-time low. Yeah. Uh, but then you have this other phenomenon of fake news, which yeah. fake news, I think we confuse that. Uh, essentially, that is a, a purpose, uh, a purposely done falsehood that's disseminated on social media. It's, it, it is something that's purposely meant to mislead, and it is distributed very quickly. It goes far and wide. Right. Fake news is not biased news. That's right. something we need to to keep in mind. But we do have this issue of fake news and then the believability yeah. uh, of our of our mainstream news outlets. Um, but I, I want to get back to what Kevin Kelly said, that truth is no longer dictated by authorities. Right. With Christianity being uh, a religion that has a book to refer to, it's authoritative. Yeah. And the founder of the faith, Jesus Christ, uh, he's an authority. Uh, yeah. How do Christians address this? If people are no longer, uh, if truth is no longer dictated by authorities, uh, is this a blow to the faith? Is this something that Christians should, uh, and I don't think so, uh, but how do, we, how do we deal with that? Yeah, I, 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 I do not think it's a blow to the faith. Um, I think our world is increasingly longing for um, objective, I'll use the word authority, even though I know that's a, that's a bad word in a post-truth world, but I think our world is longing for what is actually true. You, you spoke at it. We are, we are in, in the absence. Of, what a post-truth culture has done is it's created this vacuum, and, and into the vacuum has become the fake news phenomenon. And this is, by the way, this is not a right or left yeah. thing. It is a it is a, um, without a doubt, it is something that everybody is subjected to. Um, and, and I would even say beyond the fake news, although, although that, that's important, certainly the politicization of um, news outlets and cable news and, and then the fake news phenomenon. But I, I think more than that is the social media, the digital age where um, – we are, you know, we are the products of precise algorithms of artificial intelligence that are basically saying, feeding us all day long, reinforcing what we believe. Um, our, our our information now believes what we believe, loves what we love, hates what we hate, demonizes those that we don't, mm. you know, that are outside our tribe. And it's just, we it's, it's very easy to exist within the safe confines of our own echo chamber now. If I could jump in. So yeah. is this kind of like this confirmation uh uh, bias in its worst way, where we right. we surround ourselves with like-minded people. Yeah, we if we get so many likes for a statement we make on Facebook, then right. we that builds us up to make us think that we're right. Right, uh, it's easier to to 
uh, cast aspersion on the opponent or that other person. Uh, And it makes us difficult, of course, to have a conversation. But it's also building us up to a place that we really don't need to be built up to. There's there's arrogance. There's there's uh, boy, it builds into um, uh, disdain for other people. There's things that social media, I think, have done to us that are not healthy for when it comes to this idea of truth and and engaging. And go go ahead. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. What disagree as long as as long as people have had opinions people have had disagreements there's nothing new about disagreements what's new is the fortification of our disagreements what's new is this ability to live exclusively with inside our worldview and it have it reinforced all day long and then those outside that being demonized all day long and it has led to this fierce fierce tribalism and divide um, that you know that in the absence in a post-truth culture, I think that vacuum has has allowed this uh, to rise. And this anger has reached to a level where it's turning into violence. Oh, we're yeah. seeing we're seeing these ugly you know social media battles and dialogues that are turning into violence. It, should Christian? I want to pivot over to how Christians should address this. Uh, should Christians step in? Let's say they see ugliness on social media. Do we have an obligation to step in and let's say rank racism or rank hatred that's going on? Do, should they step in and do something about it? That's a conversation yeah, that's taking place. Sure, today. sure. Um, I would I would certainly see social media like everything once again as a as as a sphere of creation that that needs the redemption of Jesus. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think if if Christians are going to be on social media, they they need to be salt and light in that. And certainly if they see something that's just uh, abhorrent to call it out and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, I, I think my concern would be more of, uh, of, of Christians honestly being owned and living exclusively within social media <laughs> and, 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 and instead yeah. of, instead of, uh, being the social media police for Jesus, I, I think yeah, probably maybe yeah, just yeah. put down the social I, media for Jesus. Just, so there's a pitfall there, right? <laughs> right you don't right. need to be the police that's uh, yeah. holding up the stop sign when somebody crosses that, uh, yeah, yeah, line. Uh, so, so, We've got just a couple yeah. minutes here, and we need to wrap this up. But uh, how do we avoid getting into arguments? And that's what Kevin Kelly yeah. was saying. This you've got facts, you got counterfacts, and they look identical. So as Christians, we should not be argumentative people, right? How do we avoid that? You, you transcend. You transcend. Here, if if what we believe is true, and I think it actually is. I think Jesus is risen from the dead. I think he's true. If what we believe is true, then then we have to believe that our truth transcends the the craziness that has become our culture in yeah. this post-truth culture. And so and so a lot of the failures of modern Christians, I don't even say modern Christian apologetics, it takes the argument down into the fray to to basically try to win the battle in that rather than rather than have the confidence and humility and charitable and charitable nature about yourself to to know I really actually do believe this true and I really actually do think this transcends all truth. And I I think done rightly it, it's an irresistible truth. So I'm going to love my neighbor. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to get off social media and go next door and have somebody in my home. I'm going to do it differently yeah. um, because I actually believe that my truth is not dependent upon me winning this argument online. I just think it's true. Oh, and I think it works. And so um, and so and so to transcend the divide, I think is the call of the Christian in our day and age. Hey, that's a, a great note to leave on. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. I do appreciate you joining us. Would you stay again to do another edition of the program? Yeah, you bet. I'd love to. Thank you, Robert. All right.